Pastor Matt and Chanel. Awesome job. And not only awesome job, but happy birthday tomorrow. Right? Did I get that right? I give her... And I was going to say, can everybody get in the right seats? <laughs> yeah, would you go over there? And actually during worship, I heard Rich and Peggy singing. I'm thinking, man, they're singing awful loud today. <laughs> then it dawned on me. They were doing... Yeah, and I mean, the huffs are over. I never see Daniel over there. Get back over and yeah, change it up. Uh, yeah, it's a new year. Change it up. Hey, since the beginning of the new year. Um, yeah, where's my clicker? I ate it. Someone, someone take the clicker. It's over. Oh, here it is. I got it. I'm sorry. I took it. Blame myself. <laughs> right on myself. Since the beginning of the new year, um, I, three weeks ago, I, I shared with you kind of like my New Year's resolution for the beginning of this year, more of the sun in 2021. And the more I think about this, boy, we, there needs to be more of him. He has to become greater. And we have to become less. He must increase, it says in the King James, and we must decrease. On May 25th, 1979, Dennis Waitley was desperately trying to catch his flight from Chicago to Los Angeles because of a speaking engagement. And if you've never heard the name of Dennis Waitley before, he is a motivational speaker and author. Probably his, his two famous books are The Psychology of Winning and Seeds of Greatness. Well, he was rushing through O'Hare Airport, which just happened to be the busiest airport at that time. It's no longer, in fact, the busiest airport today is Atlanta, Busy uh, Berry, and then uh, L.A., and then O'Hare. But back in 79, he's running through O'Hare trying to catch his flight. When he gets to the gate, he sees the door has been shut, and the airway is, is uh, uh, starting to pull away from the plane. And, and I mean, he's pleading. He is begging He's doing everything he knows how to do because he can't miss that flight because of a speaking engagement. And they did not grant his request. Out of breath, out of patience, he goes and finds the ticket counter to register a complaint and to rebook his flight. He gets there. And there's a line. He's waiting another 20 minutes. And as he's waiting there, he hears this announcement. American Airlines, flight 191 to Los Angeles, has crashed upon taking off. The engine on the left wing separated on takeoff. And 
it caused the plane to be aerodynamically, aerodynamically imbalanced, and it caused the plane to roll. And all 258 passengers and 13 staff on board were killed. If he had not been late, if they had granted his request, he realized that that would have been his last day on earth. And that near-death experience changed his life. Instead of registering a complaint, instead of turning in his ticket, He kept that airline ticket. And he posted it on the bulletin board in his office. And whenever anger, frustration, impatience would try to take a hold of him, he would look at that ticket and remind himself not to sweat the small stuff in life. He has been quoted as saying, since then, every day is Christmas for me. Just being alive is a fabulous gift. Come on, somebody. Just being alive, isn't it a fabulous gift from God today? I'm sure most of you have heard the name Jonathan Edwards, the great 18th century preacher who was used very instrumental in the first great awakening here in in the United States up in the New England area as he pastored the church of South or Northampton, Massachusetts. What he's most famous for is the message, Sinners. In the hands of an angry God. And that morning when he basically buried his head in his notes and just read the message, people were crying out with conviction. People were running to the altar. And and I mean, it was just a divine, sovereign move of God by the Holy Spirit. What a lot of people don't know about Jonathan Edwards is right before he turned 13, he enrolled in college at Yale. Yes, right before 13, he enrolled in college at Yale. And by the time he was 17, there in New Haven, Connecticut, at Yale, at the age of 17, he sat down and he decided how did he want to live his life. And he penned 21 resolutions. 21 resolutions of how he has resolved to live his life. Let me just share a couple of them with you. Number five, I resolved never to lose one moment of time. Never to lose one moment of time. But improve it the most profitable way I can. I resolve to live with all my might while I do live. To live with all of my might while I'm alive. 
I resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were my last hour on life. Well, in the beginning of this year, I gave you the Proverbs challenge to read a proverb every day. There's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days. I trust that you've been able to do that. And on January 3rd, the first Sunday of this new year, we took a look at Proverbs chapter 3. And in there, we saw these three things, longevity, prosperity, and peace. The probability of longevity, prosperity, and peace. And as I have mentioned, that most of our New Year's resolutions usually fall in one of these three categories. Longevity, prosperity, and peace. And Solomon says, hey, if, if you want to live long and you want to prosper and you want to be at peace, then in Proverbs chapter 3, he, he gives 10 principles which we are to follow in our lives, 10 resolutions, 10 principles. And the probability is longevity, prosperity, and peace. And over the past two weeks, we've taken a look at seven of those resolutions. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Do not despise the discipline of the Lord. Find wisdom and preserve it. Have no fear. Well, today we're going to finish up the list of ten and look at eight, nine, and ten. Are you ready? Number eight. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Think about that. Do not hold good from those who deserve it. When it is your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow. When you have it now with you. In other words, this whole principle is around don't procrastinate in doing good. As a result of that near-death experience, Dennis Waitley wrote a whole article Entitled, Live Like There's No Tomorrow. Sometimes we have good intentions. We want to say something to someone, but the opportunity passes by. So when I see them the next time, I will tell them. Well, there may not be a next time. And as Jonathan Edwards resolved, Never to lose one moment of time. Don't put it off. Listen to how Paul says it. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I'm sure you've heard the phrase before, carpe diem, seize the day. Not only seize the day, But seize the moment when you see someone doing good. 
Mention it. I've often said as parents, we are so quick to criticize and so slow to commend. There are times when someone may need physical help. Help them! There may be times when someone needs financial help. Hey, if you got it, help them! You never know. The Spirit of God may put in your heart a word a scripture. Don't wait to tomorrow. Now. How else can you do good for others? Sometimes it's just words of affirmation, words of encouragement, words of thanks. Look around. We all have good intentions. Don't wait until tomorrow. Here's something else I I thought about with this scripture verse. Do not withhold Good. Now, who is good? God is good. And I'm wondering sometimes if we hold from doing good, are we also withholding them from seeing God? There are people in this world who are just looking for something good. Don't withhold God from them. Well, we're on to principle number nine. This one is, is I consider, very serious. Do not plot harm against your neighbor. Who lives trustfully near you? Now, in Scripture, the question was asked, who is my neighbor? Can I, if you want to know who your neighbor is, can you just turn to the left or turn to the right and turn to the back and, and look around? These are your neighbors. And that word plot is also... Um, thought of as premeditation, where you have sought, sat, and you have premeditated in your mind this awful scheme of how I can get at my brother Dave. Now, let me first and foremost say this. That we who carry the label of Christians should never ever plot, should never premeditate, should never wish ill will on any brother or sister of Christ. So if that is not Christ-like, then why does it happen? Why are there people who plot evil, who who premeditate, who plot harm. Well, usually it's because of self, the old nature. And perhaps self is jealous 
of what someone else has or a talent or how they have more respect from people than you have. And the more you see them, the, the more they just get in your crawl. And all of a sudden, just because maybe you don't like them, you develop this thoughts of ill will, or you start to plot, you start to scheme, or you might even start saying stuff that's not true about them, and we call that gossip or slander. Or sometimes you may have a friend, and this person has hurt your friend. Well, that's between them. But so you can side with your friend. You start to plot harm. Listen. No matter what, wishing ill or planning harm to someone else can never be justified before God. In fact, Jesus takes it one step further. And he tells us, hey, don't even just plot harm against your neighbor when you have no reason but I tell you to love even your enemies. The writer to the book of Romans, Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't pay evil for evil. Even if they do something evil to you, God says you can't repay evil back to them. In fact, didn't we read, and today in the past, uh, in our proverb challenge today, verse, yeah, verse 13, if a man pays back evil for good, not even evil for evil, but a man pays evil for good, evil will never leave his house. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Verse 18, I left out, but it says, if at all possibility, live at peace with all men, with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Listen. If you want him to increase and you to decrease, you got to let him be God. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, thus saith the Lord. Even when those who have done evil, and man, it's easy to justify planning harm, God says, uh-uh, don't do it. Pray for enemies. Romans 12, 20, you know what it says? If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. It goes on to say, don't overcome evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As he becomes greater and we become less, we need to treat everyone with the love of Jesus Christ and to treat them just like you want to be. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And I don't think there's anyone here who would like harm to be done to them. 
Does anybody really, does anybody really want harm done to them? So do unto others as you want them to do unto you. The golden rule. Avoid that. Avoid being confrontational and picking fights and quarreling. And in, in fact, we read today in the Proverbs challenge, Proverbs seventeen nineteen, He who loves a quarrel loves sin. He who loves a quarrel loves sin. Instead of being confrontational, instead of picking a fight, and instead of being quarrelsome, pursue peace. A spirit of strife, a spirit of dissension, a spirit of discord hinders the holiness of God. And I'll tell you what, man, we need the holiness of God. And therefore, despite our differences, we need to pursue peace among one another. You know, everybody's talking about the great divide in America. Well, I don't know about you, but if you read your Bible, there was a great divide back then, the Jews and the Samaritans. But there is no divide that God can't close. Do not plot harm against your neighbor. Notice how these last three principles deal with relationships. The last one is this. Do not envy others. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. Do not envy. I think it was Thursday. Was Thursday the 14th? Yeah, Proverbs 14 told us that envy rots the bone. Anybody remember that? Envy rots the bone. In other words, what it's saying is envy destroys us from the inside out. Here's a good definition for envy. A feeling of discontent and resentment aroused by another's desirable possessions or qualities. Have you ever been there before? Come on. Yeah, thank you for being honest. A feeling of discontent or resentment aroused by another's desirable possessions and qualities. Accompanied by a strong desire to have them for oneself. And the reason I put strong desire is because the very word envy in the Hebrew comes from the word to burn. Uh, Inflamed. And it really is attached to jealousy burning in the mind. Envy is stronger. We can be jealous, but jealousy can burn in our hearts where envy takes over. 
Now, I'm sure that at one time or another, you've been in a neighborhood before, and in that neighborhood is this wicked, evil family that never goes to church, that uses the name of Jesus, but not in a proper way. They call upon God, but in vain. And I mean, as you watch this family, they never have any problems. Everything they touch turns to gold. Their child just gets a full-ride scholarship to Harvard. And I mean, it's just like, ah, what are we doing wrong? Have you ever had a pity party like that before? Come on. But here's the truth. We're never jealous of the sacrifices and the hard work. We're never jealous of what really goes on inside that house. The truth is, we're just jealous of what they have. And we may be jealous of what people have, but we're never jealous of the hard work and the sacrifices they've made for it. In fact, sometimes if we saw how much sacrifice they made for it, you wouldn't want it. Years ago, I... I came across this teaching through a simple, what do they call it, an acronym when, when you have, yeah, an acronym. And the acronym is simple, C-A-R, CAR. Because sometimes we could be jealous of what someone else's drives. And I want to be very practical here with Envy and leave you with this simple acronym, C-A-R, CAR. C. Confess. James says it this way. But if you harbor bitter envy, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, when you and the the Holy Spirit reveals to you, hey, you got a problem, you're envious, you're jealous, don't deny the truth. Confess it. Confess it as sin. Envy is sin and needs to be confessed as such. Now here's the big one. Avoid comparisons. How do we get in trouble anyway? By comparing. Remember uh, John? when, when uh, In the book of John, uh, Jesus is restoring Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And, and he starts to talk about Peter, and John's there, and, and Peter says, but what about, remember when Peter says, what about him? And do you remember what Jesus said? Don't worry about him. And today, it would have been none of your beeswax. It's none of your business. Worry about yourself. And this is just a simple acronym. Confess it. Stop comparing. And here's the real key. When someone tells of a success or a new house or a new car or a job promotion or their child getting a full ride to Georgia Tech, Rejoice with those who rejoice and be glad. I, I trust that helps. But it's, it's a real simple acronym that has been very helpful for me in my own life. 
concerning do not envy others. Remember Jonathan Edwards, his 21 resolutions at the age of 17? He continued to add resolutions up until his death at 54 years old. And in the end, he had 70 resolutions of how he resolved to live his life. You can look them on, you can see them online. It's a real interesting read. There's even a, a book about Jonathan Edwards' 70 resolutions. But what caught my attention was the preamble. Even before resolution number one, which talks about honoring God with his life, he says this, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions as far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And not only good intentions, but there's the follow-through. And to remember to read over these resolutions once a week. And if you read any of the writings of Jonathan Edwards, you'll see that how he refers to his journal and referring to these resolutions of how he's doing and asking God for help and improvement on some. So as we need more of the sun in 2021, I, I think of this, that it's the call of every Christian. It's the call of every Christian to be committed to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's the call of every Christian to make a commitment to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And I trust that these ten principles that we find in Proverbs chapter 3, just to help in your journey of being conformed into his image. So like Jonathan Edwards, over this next year, I trust that you'll go back to Proverbs chapter 3 and you'll look over these 10 resolutions, these 10 principles, as we long for longevity, prosperity, and peace. Never let love or faithfulness Leave you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not wise in your own eyes. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Find wisdom and preserve it. Don't let it out of your sight. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't withhold good from others. Don't plot. Don't premeditate harm against your neighbor. And do not envy. 
In close this morning, we come to another journey where on Monday, Tara Matthews will board her plane for Paraguay. It just seemed like yesterday we were announcing her as a missionary. Of course, it doesn't seem just like yesterday to you, does it? (laughs) And God has been faithful in raising your support and then sending you off to language school in Costa Rica where because of COVID you had to quarantine and be there three, four months longer than what you needed to be and you weren't able to go to Paraguay because the borders were closed. Then you had to come home, but you were able to work online in Paraguay. But now the, the time has come where she has her visa, she has permission, and on Monday she'll be boarding a plane in Newark. Stan, come on. Share some last words. <laughs> Not last words, but be, departing words. Departing words. Hey everyone, um, thanks so much again. I always say this, but I'm so grateful for your support and your prayers. I definitely would not be here without you guys. Um, I'm so, so grateful. And I'm really, really looking forward to this next step that God has for me. Um, and I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I've never been to Paraguay, but I'm really excited to see um, how God's going to use me with um, Child Hope, uh, this children's ministry I'm working with, and with Chi Alpha. So if you guys can continue to pray um, for a good harvest, that, um, that I would be um, following the Holy Spirit in each step of the way. And, um, yeah, for my missionaries as well, um, Dave and Rose DeTrolio. Family